Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Well, it has been an absolute bonkers week in the Bravo universe. I mean, there is so much news to go around. I don't even think I'm able to cover it all. I mean, I guess we can start out with Jennifer Shaw, who pled guilty finally on Monday, just before her trial was about to start this coming week. And I've thought that this was going to happen from the beginning, just because there is a very, very like low chance that she would be able to win in court against the amount of evidence that the federal government had against her. Um, what I was a little bit shocked by was her <laughs> dress code. <laughs> Usually, when you're pleading uh, guilty to financial crimes, you probably don't want to showcase all of your Gucci and other designer wear. But, you know, pleading guilty in Gucci is definitely uh, something that's up, you know, it's a very Jen Shaw thing to do. And I get into it a bit more with my guests, so I don't want to talk too much about her guilty plea. But it will be very interesting to see what happens with sentencing, how many years she's sentenced to prison, how long she's going to serve, and what happens to the future of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast. Another person who was guilty in Gucci this week is Diana Jenkins. At that lunch that she had with Sutton, where she was wearing the poorly fitted black Gucci hat, I knew that the people who work for her must hate her. Because why would they let her leave the house going to film looking like that with that hat on? I mean, oh my goodness. Why why would <laughs> I have so many theories about Diana and we will we will get to that also. And some other exciting Bravo news. Uh Vanderpump Rules started filming season 10 and guys, I'm here for it. I really am hoping that this season can be more authentic and we can follow people's real life storylines better than we have the last few seasons. And Alex Baskin, who is the head of Evolution Media, which produces The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of OC, and uh, Vanderpump Rules is out. And I don't know, maybe it's a good thing to get a little bit of a fresh start from Evolution. I feel like they've been a bit off on casting, especially on the OC. And certainly with Beverly Hills and Diana Jenkins, that doesn't seem to be a good fit. And with Vanderpump Rules, these people have very interesting lives and things going on, yet they only seem to focus on the things that are not interesting. And if they just let these people live and follow their real lives, I guarantee you it could be a good show. But everything has to be like, oh, we're going to open up a sandwich shop and there's trouble with this restaurant. And I don't know, just showcase their actual lives. And and let's get back to that. Um Another thing that happened while I was uh, on vacation um, and out these last few weeks is the 
expose from the LA Times on Randall Emmett. And there were many, many dark things that were uncovered uh, in that expose, namely that he is a <laughs> terrible boss, uh, put his the people who work for him at risk by making them move drugs around the country for him, and that he held a sort of casting couch where he would give women parts in exchange for sex. There's a lot of other terrible things that was done, but um, or allegedly uh, that he has done. But one thing that really uh, made me upset and just feel terrible is it came out that when Lala heard that he was caught in Nashville with two women, she demanded to see his phone and he wouldn't give it to her. And so she took it from him. And then he proceeded, according to Lala, to tackle her to the ground. And that is, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's awful. And I'm wondering if we're getting potential allegations of domestic abuse because uh, Lala has been talking about how the family court system is messed up, and I think she probably wants sole custody of her, her daughter, Ocean. So we'll we'll see kind of how that all unfolds. But I'm ready to see a vulnerable Lala. I'm ready to see an honest Lala. And I'm ready to see a Lala who takes a little bit of accountability for, um, you know, the type of... I don't know, just sort of the Erica Jane of it all, like putting forward a persona and a lifestyle and then having your reality be completely different. And I know there are two sort of different scenarios, but what I was hoping to see from Erica this season is someone who's like, you know what, this is what really happened, or this is why I lied to you all, or this is why I tried to showcase that my life was a certain way when it really wasn't. Instead, what we're seeing right now is Erica behaving incredibly inappropriately. And it's not just like the drinking and mixing pills and whatever. How she treated Garcelle's sons is absolutely unacceptable. Going after her adult son and asking for a threesome and, you know, making a joke about his wife calling her a baby mama is incredibly, oh, it's just gross and it feels racist and it's just, it's just a nasty thing to do. And then to yell at her 14 year old son. I mean, I don't know what planet. Kyle and Dorit and their husbands live on, but there is nothing redeeming about watching this Erica. And I know, I think it must be so wild to be friends with someone like Erica Jane, who doesn't really let you know who they are as a human being, so that when a story breaks about them in the news, such as Erica and Tom Girardi's divorce, and when that hit, none of them knew anything. And they realized, and Dorit said it last season, that everything she's ever known about Erica was the diametric opposite that ended up being true. And so it must be crazy to be friends with someone who you don't really know and who doesn't let you in. But why are they trying to be her friend? Like, why are they so close to her? Why are they trying to protect her so much? And why won't they just 
be honest with her the way Kyle demands everyone be open and honest because none of her behavior is okay. She has not been forthcoming about anything. And now they're making excuses for her screaming at Garcelle's son saying, well, at least she's showing a, you know, lighter side of herself or she's letting her hair down. (laughs) I don't know. This doesn't seem easy breezy to me. Um, in other Housewives news, Tamra Judge is headed back to the Real Housewives of OC. And I know that years ago I stated I could not stand her, but she has won me over on Ultimate Girls Trip. And I've even listened to her and Teddy's podcast a few times. And maybe it's because Teddy is so unlikable that it makes Tamra quite likable <laughs> in juxtaposition. But I don't know. I'm ready for her back on the OC. I guess I'm a little bit nostalgic for many of the housewives that we've said bye to in the past, and I'm ready to see some back, mainly on Atlanta and on the OC. And I really am enjoying the larger casts that we have on Beverly Hills, on Southern Charm. For me, more is better. I like following a lot of story. And then finally, um, I haven't gotten a chance to recap Ultimate Girls Trip, but I will have an episode coming up where I go much more in detail with it. But I am loving it so far. But it has definitely cemented in my mind that Dorinda Medley is a monster. And nothing anyone can tell me will change my mind. I just think she is truly a um, sad person, an angry person, but she takes it out on everyone around her. And the types of insults that she says to people are just so nasty and so unnecessary with how deep she cuts. And um, I part of me feels bad for her, that she's so so sad and so lonely and so angry. But I don't know that I want to see her back on my screen, unless it's another Ultimate Girls Trip with this exact same cast. I would love to see this cast go somewhere else so Dorinda doesn't have it hanging over them that they're staying at her house and on her property all the time. I would like to see them all go on a vacation somewhere and see how that goes. But this cast is dynamite. That is for sure. Anyway, have a great show for you guys today. I have Harmony McGivney on the podcast this week. She's a longtime listener. We've chatted many times about housewives, and I'm just so excited to have her on the podcast. We get way into the Jen Shaw of it all. We talk about Ultimate Girls Trip a bit, Beverly Hills, Atlanta, and a little bit of Dubai. And um, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. And as always, if you have any constructive criticism or you just want to share something with me, my DMs are open at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram and Twitter. I do love hearing from you all. I am finally back from vacation or I will be back in D.C. in a few days. I'm still in Minnesota, so it's been it's been a long time being away. But um, I'm glad I was able to still put out episodes while I was on vacation. And I really like hearing from all of you. So would love to know your thoughts on the Jen Shaw of it all and everything else going on. 
So have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll take a quick break and I'll be back with Harmony. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. I am here with Harmony McGivney, who is from Queens, New York. She's a longtime listener of the podcast, and she recently got back from a trip to the Hamptons. And so... Welcome to the pod. We've been chatting for a while, Harmony. I'm so excited to talk. Me too. Thank you for having me. This is like a dream come true. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you are you are too kind. Well, it is a dream come true for you to give me tips on the Hamptons because I am heading back there in a few weeks. And you were just telling me offline that you had been to Surf Lodge because your husband knows Rob, Daniel's boyfriend. So I was like, wait, hold on. I need to start recording. This is, you know, hot goss. I want to hear what's yeah. going on. I don't know much about Danielle and Rob. So they're absolutely adorable. So my husband worked uh, with Rob. He's a bartender mixologist and obviously Rob's a chef. Uh, so they worked at a restaurant together in the Lower East Side. And then, you know, Rob works at Surf Lodge and what is it? Snow Lodge in Aspen, one of those. Uh, and so we made a reservation at Surf Lodge just because we'd never been there. Rob wasn't working that day. But on our last night, we went to the diviest dive bar in Montauk. It's called The Point. And my husband goes to the bathroom. I'm sitting at the bar, just like looking around, you know, taking in the last moments of vacation. And I turn around and who is behind me but Danielle and Rob. What? And so my, <laughs> so my husband comes back and I'm like, Hey, look who's right behind you. And so he says hi to Rob. We all start chatting. Danielle is so stunning. I mean, obviously we know she's gorgeous on on uh, TV, but like she's absolutely beautiful, the nicest people. And obviously, you know, my husband doesn't really watch Bravo, so he doesn't know <laughs> all the, you know, like how big of a deal um, she is in the Bravo sphere of Summer House. And so we were chatting and people would come up and ask for photos. And it was, it was really great, but we had a fun time hanging out with them and, and then set our merry way, but it was really good to hang out with him and, uh, and Danielle and they're really fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Uh, oh, I love yeah. them. I love Summer House. So base, being that you're based in New York, are you planning to attend BravoCon? I want to. So my, I actually planned my honeymoon around hopefully being able to attend some of BravoCon. <laughs> I was like, so if we get back midweek, that would be cool. Um, My best friend and I, who I actually got into Bravo during a really tough time in her life, and I know you got into Bravo um, while going through the grieving process, and I helped her 
do that as well. I was like, Hey, what if you start watching housewives? She was like, uh, okay. And then now I've converted her and it's incredible because now half the time when we hang out, we're like talking about our real lives and then Bravo. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm getting my stepmom into it. I got her into Beverly Hills and she's seen enough episodes that now she kind of knows who some of the people are. And just the okay. fact that they're famous outside of housewives, like she knows who Lisa Rinna is and you know Garcelle through just movies and soaps and stuff. But she started to enjoy the editing process where Erica will say, you know, it's not like I care that much about money. And then, you know, it shows how much she cares about money. And then, well, it's not like I'm broke, broke. And she just started laughing, my stepmom. And I was like, oh, you're starting to get it. You know, you're you're getting it. The humor of it all. You're getting into the vibe and like knowing all the translations of things, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So you're going to go with your friend, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. At least like one, we're waiting until single little sale tickets go on because I I don't know that we can commit to the whole weekend but maybe like the Saturday or something would be really fun I would have gone to the whole weekend but I have a friend's wedding and I I can't miss the wedding (laughs) so you know well I'll just have to be jealous watching everyone's fun on their Instagram stories and you know hope for next year yeah I mean I'm sure there'll be a next year (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. I wanted to start out by talking about Jen Shaw pleading guilty because that's the biggest story that has come out in the last week uh, with regards to Bravo. What are your thoughts on all of it? I mean, pleading guilty and Gucci like what I (laughs) pleading guilty and Gucci (laughs) obviously I mean I wasn't shocked I've never been a fan of hers from the get-go just because everything was so put on and you know I mean she did get vulnerable here and there but it all was such a facade and at the end of the day she defrauded the elderly like this is this is terrible. Like, and the fact, I think Andy said on his radio show, I heard a clip of it, that he was upset because she was denied, denied, denied to the very end. I mean, I know we've seen that countless times with financial crimes. That's kind of the name of the game, I guess. But uh, interested to see how much time she actually gets. Yeah, I just think it's, it's just so sad and she's incredibly yeah. charismatic, obviously. People have don't have even a fraction of the outrage for her that they do with Erica Girardi, who hasn't even been charged with a crime. So, you know, clearly her charisma is working in her favor, but she was not just defrauding the elderly, but she was the ringleader of all of it. I mean, she yeah. was the top of the pyramid, and she, ugh, it's just sickening, and... I think she's going to go away for like at least 10 years. Really? You think at least 10? Yeah, they're talking about between 11 and 14. And maybe she'll get out early on good behavior. But I mean, okay, then I think at least eight. I mean, she's going to get more than Stuart and all the others that accepted a plea deal before she did, who were lower on the sort of hierarchy of this fraud scheme, I'm assuming. Yeah, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what Stuart gets for sure. Is his sentencing before hers? I 
think so. Her, <laughs> do, you, do you think that they me? moved it to November so she could go to BravoCon? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Like, well, but that's the other question. And like, you know, does Bravo have any sort of morality clause? Like, can they employ a person who is waiting to be sentenced like three weeks after BravoCon? I don't know. Like, I mean, so Teresa Girardi, or sorry, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Teresa Judice, you know, is a convicted felon and she's yeah. still on Bravo. So clearly they didn't think her crimes were as bad, but she didn't seem to really know what was going on. She definitely committed crimes, no, but I, I don't think she was like a mastermind behind it. Now right. they kept her husband on the show. Yeah. Who was. So I don't know. I don't know. Like is is where's the line? Is it murder? <laughs> what do you have to do in order to not be featured on Bravo, like convicted of murder? Because she's basically convicted. She pled guilty. That's the same thing. Yeah. That's a conviction. Is murder gonna be like Bravo Housewives twenty twenty four? Like is that what we're oh, the I hope like, not. That's too no, dark. I hope not. Yeah. I, no, but no, no, it no. it is it's always been dark though. So yeah. I'll embrace it. I just I don't know why some people were shocked. There's basically no chance that she was going to get away with what she did. She was definitely not innocent based on all the evidence that was coming out. So it was just, is she going to plead guilty or is she going to make this more painful? Well, and again, the Southern District of New York doesn't mess around. Yeah. She's been under investigation since, I believe, 2012. Like, it's so long like how how did she think she would weasel out and and then of course the other question of why do you go on a reality show but that seems to be a moot point because we see it time and time again yeah I mean Andy Cohen did say that too on his radio show he was like why go on a reality show when you have something to hide it never works and I think he's pissed because I don't know what they're going to be able to do with the season three of Salt Lake City the whole narrative is going to be messed up because she's going to keep talking about how she's innocent over and over and over. And we all know what just happened. And Meredith and Heather were just in the city with her. I know. And Meredith posted that stupid Instagram story about how everyone deserves the right to a trial. No shit, Meredith. Like, <laughs> now she looks like such an idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. And like, how? when did she change on Jennifer? Like, when did she decide that I, it's such a mess? I know. I know. I don't know what changed. I think they all decided to hate Lisa and make Lisa the bad guy when (laughs) Jennifer Shaw is, you know, I don't know, defrauding the elderly from their entire retirement. She doesn't go for wealthy people. She goes after people that are poor, that don't have a lot of savings, and that don't even really own computers. So yeah. it's not like they are paying attention to everything. They're a little bit more easy to to take advantage of. And what really got me as well was the recirculation of so of the lists yes. of the follow up. So it was a part A, part B, part C, you know, we don't even know, but following up, oh hi, I can help you have a business working from home. These people get into debt and then they had fraudulent you know, financial wellness people coming after them. Like that is just so sad. 
it's awful. It's, it's the worst possible. Some of the worst crimes you can really commit are taking advantage of people like that. And then yeah. when they're in their most vulnerable position and they're too embarrassed to ask for help, they try and get out of it themselves and you further dig them in a hole. Um, something else that caught my attention. So a lot of the Housewives universe people <laughs> seem to get their information on housewives legal scandals from Ronald Richards. And oh, yeah. I avoid that man like the plague. I mean, he is just shady. And I don't think he's a credible person, either human being or legal person. And yeah. it turns out that him and his wife are planning to buy the Girardi house in Pasadena. I just saw that. And her, the wife and Erica have been going back and forth. It's so creepy. I agree with Erica on this. Like they're obsessed with her in such a weird way. Like if you're trying to have justice for victims, fine. Do it the way that that guy, Jay, whatever his name is, Edelman or Edelstein. Edelstein is is trying to go after them. Do it in court. Don't do right. it on social media. That's creepy and weird. I don't know. Yeah, he's really making himself look like a clown. I'm I'm with you. He's been a clown forever. At what point do his ethics get called into question if he's doing so much on social media? I wonder that too. I think the ladies of the Bravo docket have addressed it about like, it just doesn't look good in the eyes of the court, but I don't know like his background other than he represented Russell Armstrong against Taylor or something related to that where he called into question whether or not she was being abused, stuff like it's just gross. And I feel like he's kind of obsessed with the housewives. And I find that to be weird. Just be a viewer like the rest of us. Don't get involved legally. He seems to be pop culture obsessed because he also was involved with a Joe Francis legal case many years ago. Who also uh, was on Bravo in Real Ho- yeah. or in uh, Real Housewives of Miami season two. Yeah. Oh, my God. We can't get away with this guy. The spider webs. <laughs> well, okay. Have you watched Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip in Bluestone of Manor? Course. So I haven't of seen course. the latest one, but got to know your thoughts on just how you think this compares to the first Ultimate Girls Trip and just your overall thoughts on how things are going. Well, I think it's apples and bananas because one group are current housewives and got to go to Turks and Caicos and the other women are no longer housewives and are trapped in Bluestone Manor and Dorinda's circus. Um, I, I, I loved the first iteration. I thought it was super fun and it was fun to see different sides of the women. I think it's a very interesting group that they assembled for sure. Um, I forgot how funny Phaedra was. I sort of tucked her aside given how she exited uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta and that whole thing, which was very dark and very concerning. Um, but she's really funny. And Eva has so much more personality than I feel like she did on her seasons of I Atlanta. Think so too. I wonder, you know, she did open up a bit on Real Housewives of Atlanta about how she was a victim of domestic abuse mm-hmm. with the father of, I think, her eldest child. Yeah. And 
how they were constantly moving and trying to hide from this man. But she also knew that going on national TV, she was like exposing herself even more. So I feel like she was really in her head about everything. And I don't feel like we got the full story of what she experienced in terms of abuse. And I don't feel like she felt she was able to share it for some reason. So I think we would have not given her a pass, but understood why she was a little muted. Mm -hmm. And instead, we just were like, Ava's boring, like whatever. She's, you know, and let's just move on from her. But I really like her and I want her back. Yeah. And also never forget, get the witty repartee between her and Marlo in the van in was it Tokyo yes yes oh man she can really hold her own in an argument that was was iconic (laughs) oh my gosh well speaking of iconic let's get to the real housewives of Beverly Hills so this week oh my gosh so many thoughts how are you feeling about this season in general? They moved so quickly from last season to this season that it feels like we're watching Beverly Hills year round almost. I don't know. What are you, yeah. what are you thinking? I agree. I think this season is good because it's not so much of one story. Like it's certainly not a Lucy, Lucy, apple, goosey, juicy situation or panty gate. There are a lot of things going on of course you know there is the whole Sutton and Diana of it all um but I I do think it's a strong season thus far and I'm really not a person of stan culture but I've fallen really hard for Garcelle I love her so much me too I think she's the perfect housewife like top to bottom If I could construct the perfect housewife, it would be her. She's got an interesting personal life. It's fun to watch her interact with the group. And she's able to move story along. And she's able to move forward with people. I mean, everything about her, I love for watching on TV. I am transfixed when she is on screen. Absolutely. And she even brought a great friend up. Love too, which is oh, amazing. Sheree. I like three. She said like such, you know, so few words, but they they just cut through in such an important way. When Kyle was interrupting the conversation between Erica and Garcelle and was like, well, you know, I've known Erica for seven years and I've never seen her lose her composure. I think she's given, you know, should be given a pass kind of a thing. And, you know, Garcelle accused her of jumping ship, which isn't, I don't think the right like metaphor. <laughs> yeah, terminology. <laughs> it was I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. But when Cherie was like, in this moment, she needs you to be neutral, it just mm-hmm. shut up Kyle. Kyle's constantly going in between two separate women arguing. And I just need her to be neutral. Yeah. And I love that Cherie had that poignant moment and then mere two seconds later is a firecracker of saying how hot Oliver is like that's what we need (laughs) yeah she was definitely breaking the tension I do think it's creepy to talk about having a threesome with your friend's son Uh, I I think it's weird and I think it'd be weird if it was men talking about someone else's daughter like that's weird you know but whatever it was it was a funny thing in the moment I I I am worried about Erica, though. I do think that we, as like 
maybe in American society, tend to brush off people who get too drunk or who mix alcohol and meds because it's so common to do. But she's definitely acting not like herself. And I don't think that means that she's a lighter version of herself. It just means she's completely out of control. I agree. And I think that there's a difference between letting loose and being belligerent and yelling at a 14 year old like totally no you yes okay have your spicy margaritas but please do not yell at children and be that ridiculous like absolutely not when she was saying like well I'm treating them like adults like well you don't treat adults like that you shouldn't shout like that at adults it's ridiculous like screaming at someone is if I don't know she's she's so off and it was really interesting to watch because Kyle and Garcelle both have family histories of addiction you know with Garcelle's son Mm -hmm. and then with Kyle's obviously sister Kim so they're both it coming at it from kind of different points of view even though they both have it I always feel like Kyle is naturally an enabler It's just like, and I think she finally hit her limit with Kim and that's why it seemed so harsh. But I think Garcelle is a little bit different as someone who kind of has boundaries and is like, no, 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 you don't get to do this with me. And so it's interesting watching them. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I don't know how to handle it. You know, when it's happening in your own family, it's complicated. But Kyle seems to be really making like, this isn't a big deal. This isn't a big deal. And we know what is because Lisa Rinna later confronts Erica about it. It's so odd that Kyle keeps just brushing it off and saying, oh, well, she deserves this because it's been said time and time again, if this, if somebody came after Kyle's child, she would go through the roof. Totally. And it just, yeah, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) No, it just doesn't make sense. It's just like, okay. But I think you have a great point of both Garcelle and Kyle have informed perspectives of substance misuse. Yes. And that's why I'm listening to them a bit more than maybe some of the others Mm because they've witnessed it up close. But it is such a, you know, it's just one of those things like, you switch around medicine, just be a little bit more careful about what you're drinking. And she's doing the exact opposite. She's like drinking more and we're honing in on it because it's such a different, like she's clearly self-medicating and she needs to get her act together. Yeah, definitely throwing caution to the wind when it's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that in terms of like, eat your Taco Bell, don't mix alcohol and meds. I know, I know. I have to get your thoughts on Diana Jenkins, who is just one of the most odd casting choices. I feel like I can see how it was supposed to work with her. And then now I'm watching it happen. And I'm like, it's not working. Like I feel like it should be so much more natural for her to just like ease in with Lisa Rinna and Erica Jane and all of them. And, you know, not be too crazy, like have like one fight, like when Crystal started, you know, she had like the one big fight. But Diana doesn't seem to understand reality shows, period. What do you think? Why is she on this show? I have no idea. Like something must be wrong with her. (laughs) 
then something's wrong with all of them. But they would all agree to that. Like everyone on the show is like, yeah, I want to be famous, right? Why does she want to be famous? She has been able to have all of the benefits of fame without any of the negativity. She's friends with famous people. They know who she is. The general public doesn't need to know who she is. So she's got all the money in the world. Why does she go on this show? And then she's only filming in her house. Like people come to her house to film. She rarely goes anywhere. It makes no sense. I did a deep dive on her Instagram last night. Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers did a song for her on his guitar about her doing Housewives. Like, what? Her connections are so insane, which obviously we've seen on the show, which... Again, I don't need to harp on this, but why are you on this show? She's not promoting any of her businesses. And yeah, she's just hanging out in her home with her family and her chef and showing off her expensive clothes to Erica, who, like, I'm surprised didn't bring seven suitcases to take them all away. Like, what? I... I don't, I don't get it. And I agree with you. I think she doesn't understand reality TV. Uh, This is a very random thing that I cannot get over with her, but I cannot get over her Campari and soda ordering. (laughs) That is such an odd, like my husband's a bartender and I texted him last night and was like, cause he was at work. And I was like, do people order this? Like, is this a drink? And he was like, I guess sometimes not often. I don't know. It's a weird thing to fix fixate on but I just find it so so odd that's so funny I I thought about that too I was like does she want to feel like she's having to drink when she's not drinking is that well, what you do alcohol in it oh Campari has alcohol mm-hmm. it's a liqueur <laughs> just so much I know no, I literally <laughs> thought like isn't that a Shirley Temple <laughs> Well, they're the same color. You're not wrong. Grenadine is the same color. I thought it was that one. Okay. (laughs) That's amazing. I even made a note. Like, did she order like a Shirley Temple, but just call it the ingredients? Okay, clearly I don't know my, my liqueur. She's just an odd one. And no amount of like how famous she is or how closely she's juxtaposed to Elton John or the Red Hot Chili Peppers or whatever can make her likable to us as viewers. She is just so wildly unlikable. She's mean. And especially with I enjoyed this past episode learning about her history. Okay, her father's an orphan. Wow. Her mom comes from what was it? Eight siblings. Wow. That's a really interesting dynamic. Amazing that they were very involved in raising her children. But then again, why are you so unlikable? (laughs) I think she's one of those people that wants to have her like ass kissed all the time. And so when you properly kiss her ass the way that Erica is doing, the way that Lisa Rinna is doing, then she likes you or is more favorable towards you. But if you kind of treat her like how you would treat any other human being, the way Garcelle does, where she treats everyone the same she doesn't like you because you didn't show preference. Like she needs her ass to be kissed. I don't know why. And she has such a chip on her shoulder. And I know she had a rough upbringing, but 
now she to have that kind of an upbringing and then expect everyone to like travel ahead of you and fix all your problems for you and nothing to go wrong in your life is I don't know. It's like she's lost touch with reality. And when they showed the clip of at Garcelle's party, when Garcelle says to her, you have a chip on your shoulder, Mm -hmm. she responds to Garcelle and says, huge or massive or something like that and says it multiple times. And it's like, okay. And like lots of people have really hard upbringings. Like what? Why can't you relate to these women as as a human? As- <laughs> well, and then when they try and relate to her specifically, Sutton, she oh, sees yeah. it as Sutton trying to one up her. And maybe it's because there's cameras around and she's like, no, now is for me telling my story. But and Sutton might do it awkwardly. Maybe it translates on camera. But in real life, it, it seems weird because I think most people say that Sutton can be awkward. But mm-hmm. I think when she was sharing about her father committing suicide after Diana shared about her brother dying, I felt like she was trying to relate. And Diana clearly saw that as like, no, this is my moment for me to talk. And I can see both sides to that. But then Mm -hmm. when talking about the miscarriages and when she's like, well, I had two miscarriages, like I get it. I get that you're going through something rough. Just the fact that she like took that as a fight, like, oh, you're trying to show me up you had two miscarriages where I had one but that's how Diana took it and that's not how I think us as viewers saw it at all no it's when you are having a conversation with someone and you're getting to know them you relate experiences like isn't that how people communicate and and I don't understand how Diana took it as Sutton trying to trauma top her or something. It was, I understand what you're going through. This is really difficult. And even for Sutton to say, I don't open up to people about this. I don't tell people this. This is me being vulnerable with you. Can we have this moment to understand each other's experience? Yeah, I think Diana was probably on edge about Sutton being like, so you said you were on bed rest, but now you're here. That's confusing, which I agree. But it was said in a way, like when someone's going through and they're like, you know, Diana's like, I'm currently bleeding. You know, it's, it's not something I think it could, it could have been dealt with a little bit more kindly you know, on Sutton's part. And so I'm sure when she has her guard up, but she has her guard up by Sutton. And I feel like the other women, particularly Erica and Rinna, are in her ear about Sutton's only talks about herself. Sutton only cares about herself. Sutton's, you can't trust her, like those types of things, because she's formed such an intense opinion about Sutton with only having a couple interactions. Definitely. I mean, Rena and Erica are so adding logs to that fire. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I just, do you think she's a one and done? I would think so. I, I don't know what else she really has to accomplish. I mean, I'd be interested to see her on another cast trip with all of them together and how, how things evolve. But I mean, I don't think the audience is, is quite fond of her. I don't think we... I just don't see – and she's not going to – she's at least not listed on BravoCon, which I feel like they like to showcase the people that they really 
want to showcase, you know, they're stars. And if you're not invited, or if you can't work out a contract with them for it, it doesn't look good for you as your future on the network. That's how I feel. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's rough for Diana. And it's rough for us to have to watch that weird lunch that they had where she was just like, they were going back and forth. She's like, well, who is Diana any or who is Sutton anyway? And she's like, well, I'm a loyal friend. I know that. And she's like, so you say. And she's like, I know that. <laughs> it's like, so you say. It's like, stop. This is like so, it's literally like a child. It's like, who says, you know, <laughs> over and over. <laughs> I really think that that whole lunch should be done in scene study and acting classes because yes. it's so out there. And also it, it mimics the Meisner technique of like go going back and forth saying the same thing but doing different emotions and it's just it's it's wild to to show I feel like if you showed anybody out of context they'd be like what is happening here and even as a Bravo fan watching it I still was thinking what is happening here (laughs) I felt that too I mean I couldn't I don't know what I would have done in that situation it, you know and she's like saying you're phony and then she admits to being phony herself like projection much (laughs) that and also how can you have a productive conversation with somebody who is blatantly rolling their eyes I don't know she's so disrespectful to everyone around her and did you notice she never said thank you when they brought the food or the drink Mm -hmm. yeah it's like if you're going to be an asshole to the people she just seems like she doesn't treat people that are in the service industry well And that I feel like is a really good mark of, I don't know, how down to earth you are. Like if you can't connect with people that are serving you food, like who are you? Like, Of course, that's such a tell that you're a jerk. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like she probably doesn't tip well. Like she just seems like she sucks. And then when she said she's weird about how she talks about charity, like how she was on the receiving end. So now she wants to help. But then she was like, well, sometimes I give to things and I don't even know what they are. What the hell? Who gives money to things and they don't really know what it is? Like that was a weird thing to say, too. I just get the feeling that she's living in a house of cards. There's so much that doesn't add up. What doesn't add up? It's just so suspect. Just, I don't understand why she's on the show. She, you know, she says she's so charitable and this, that, and the other. But then in episode one, when they're talking about the receipts for the Elton John gala, she's like, this is so tacky. It's like, well, but that. But what are you talking about? Like, I just. Yeah, I think she was saying it's like tacky to try and prove that you give more money than someone else or something. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Like, you're right. It's weird that she's on this show with this amount of money. What is what was the draw? Who tried to get her on? And why did she want to do it? Why is she close with all these celebrities? Like, does she have non-celebrity friends too? Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it evolves. (laughs) Any final thoughts? I mean, most uncomfortable lunch we've 
Dean in a very, very long time. But I will say I laughed out loud at Sutton's Sound of Music reference. Yes. That that really got me. That was so funny. And then in her confessional, when she was like, what the hell? She's like, you know, going full Georgia, which I always love when she does. I also loved, I totally forgot. I was going to ask you about that. Um, when they all were FaceTiming her guy from Bumble, that was funny. That was really funny. That was hilarious. Also, that poor man seeing all these gorgeous women <laughs> and then all of a sudden panning over to Lisa Renna, who looks like Austin Powers dressed as the Joker. <laughs> like, what? Like, <laughs> it was so perfect. That poor guy, if he still goes, I would love for Sutton to be like, here's my new boyfriend. <laughs> That's like that guy. <laughs> what an intro. I didn't write his name down, but it was it was amazing. He was really cute. He was cute. And I love that she's on Bumble. Like, that's great. She's I, I think she is so fantastic for the show. She's so quirky and unusual. Now, I find it I'm really curious when Kathy Hilton comes uh, next week and all the stuff that's supposed to go on with her. And it seems like there's this big campaign from Rena and Erica to take down Kathy Hilton when really <laughs> Rena stepped in it big time in terms of race and oh. everything with the show and all of it. It's just, I don't know how she's going to be able to call Kathy racist, which may be true, but like, look at what she's done. She's, it doesn't make sense. Her, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. It makes, it won't work. Oh, absolutely. And also, I think it's just such a deflection because Rena has no storyline. Always. I mean, she does, but she's not showcasing it. Her daughter right. was in rehab for, or some sort of facility because she overdosed on Xanax because a doctor prescribed her too much Xanax and she's got all these health problems. But yeah. maybe her daughter doesn't want to showcase that. So then they're respecting it. But then what else is going on in her life besides her mom was dying, it? you know? Yeah. Which that was so sad. It Lois is. is but like, this is going to sound terrible. But like, I lost my mom young. So seeing someone who's in their upper 50s, whose mother is dying in their 90s. Yeah. It's like, not this. I mean, it's awful. And it's hard. But you I don't know. It's different. It's not like she left this earth before her time. So, right. I mean, there's lived a long know. life. She seems to be. It's more that I don't. You know what? It's not. It's not what they're showing on the show. I like what they're showing on the show, and I really like Lois. It's how she's talking about it in her social media and grief and all this stuff, and she's using it as an excuse for her outbursts, and that's what I find to be frustrating. It's like, okay, you're going through grief you're not different than everyone else that's gone through grief. And it's not an excuse to treat people poorly. It's not an excuse to pop off. It's not an excuse to make, you know, racist allegations. <laughs> like it's just not okay. 1000%. She, she needs to stop doing that and blaming things on, on life situations. Like, Deaths happen and it's very mm -hmm. sad, but Rena, you can afford therapy. <laughs> I just keep thinking of like Kyle losing her mom young, yeah, you know, and then mm -hmm. Rena and like Rena. I don't know. It's it's hard. It may, it's maybe it's my unresolved issues. Like I'm jealous of people who have their parents late in life. Um, so when I hear them like go on and on and on about how sad it is, I'm like, well, 
but they were going to die like <laughs> 93, yeah. you know? It's the circle of life. It's Yeah, it's a little bit, it's sad, but it wasn't as, it wasn't like a complete tragedy, you know? It wasn't unexpected. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it happened in the best, most beautiful possible way that you could lose a, a mother, that you got to be there, that you got to talk to her, that she knew what was happening, that she wasn't in pain. I mean, what more could you want? This Very is true. clearly all of my personal issues. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm like I think projecting. It's- I'm like, oh my God, you're like 59 and you're bitching about this. Like you had how many, 30 more years with your mom. Absolutely. And also uh, Rinna asking the uh, wait staff at Sutton's house to touch her feet. Disgusting. Oh, no. yeah. I totally forgot about that. I had to explain to my stepmom in the beginning of the episode, like, oh, they're all wearing flip flops and coats because <laughs> was trying, she was kind of like, what are they doing? Because of mud. <laughs> like, I don't know. The whole thing is so crazy. They're so funny. I like watching all of it. And I love Josh Sutton's assistant who oh my like, gosh snatch guard so sweet and i feel like that's it's like her best friend basically like he is mm-hmm. everywhere with her all of the time and she really seems to need someone to be like hey it's all okay i got it handled you know but he just seems to not be the kind of guy that wants to be on the camera so much right. so every time they pan to him he kind of looks like why why <laughs> please like take me out of this narrative <laughs> He's like sheepish. <laughs> He's so sweet. Oh my gosh. Love that guy. Uh well, let's jump into Atlanta. Yes. Oh my gosh. We finally get to meet Drew's mom. Have we met Drew's mom before? I don't think so. She referenced a birthday party that I don't remember. <laughs> Same. I don't She seemed great. They're getting their nails done, but then there's this really weird situation where you know her and her mom are really into these profits which I don't quite understand I've had someone try to explain it to me like what a prophet is in her type of church because I only know it from Judaism but then I wrote down I thought they said it was prophet Jew (laughs) did they say prophet Jew was the person prophet Jude or something Jude okay that would make more sense um and then how there's a woman or someone who is the spirit of a woman who's an adversary, which just reminds me of any time you get like a reading of your palm or like the tarot card, like they always of do course. that kind of stuff. And so it's just funny to to see Drew, how they react to this prophet. All the working and vague intimations of this, that and the other. I'm... I don't really understand the the whole profit thing. And obviously, Drew and Ralph have some issues that they need to take care of within their relationship. And I, I still don't quite understand Drop It With Drew. Uh, she glommed on to a woman's yes, company. It was someone face. else's company. And then now she's the face of it and acts like she built it, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. someone who, I don't know, it's like she's like the worst person, I think, to be the face of something because she doesn't seem to have done the program. She didn't. She got a mommy makeover it and didn't is now work. She doesn't look 18. different. 
That's really mean. But she doesn't look different than she did last season. She looks the same. That's fine. But it doesn't look like she looks different. You know? No, she really doesn't look different. And uh, I don't know what she thinks this is going to bring to her in terms of, you know, entrepreneurial success. I I just find her and Ralph very, very suspect. (laughs) They are, and they're so much more suspect even than so. Like you, we know PK and Dorit have like suspect finances. Yes, but they even seem less shady than Ralph and Drew. And I think it's because Ralph and Drew have all these assistants, which mm-hmm. is what makes things seem shady to me. It reminds me of like Jen Shaw a bit. Like, why Absolutely. do you have all these assistants? What are they doing? No one can can explain anything. It kind of creeps me out a little. I don't think they're running some sort of fraud scam. But it is crazy that Ralph is writing a book on being a step-parent, and he didn't consult his co-parent, who is the mother of that child. Yeah, what is all this? What is all this secretism? Like, we still don't know what he did in Tampa. I don't know. Oh my god, like something is so off with them and I can't, I don't know, like her home life is frustrating to me. It's not fun to watch. It makes me angry and it's like, you're the kind of person who I don't want to listen to your problems because you kind of create them, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like you've done all of these things and yet you just want to complain. Like Kenya also creates some of her own problems by the type of men that she goes after, but she gets rid of them when it's time. You know? I don't know. It's like something, and Sheree creates her own problems by going with Tyrone, you know? But I want to hear about these other women, and I want to comfort them, but when it comes to Drew, I have no sympathy. It's so sad, and and I feel bad for the marriage that she's in, but I just don't want to hear her complain. And she also just gives off try-hard vibes. Yes, very much so. And it's, I don't know, she's not as famous as she thinks she is. Like, part of me is like, do you have this confidence? Or is this all, like, fake it before you make it? I I think she's definitely a fake it before you make it kind of person. (laughs) Which, you know, more more power to you. We're just not buying it. (laughs) Not buying it. Now, what I am buying is Sheree being heartbroken. Like, when... She had her friend come over. What's the friend? Fatum? Yes. Fatum? Came over. Fatum? I'm totally pronouncing her name wrong. I feel bad. Um, I I feel like we've only seen her a couple times this season. So I'm I'm trying to... I I keep wanting to say Fallon, which it's clearly not. Oh, right. (laughs) You know, but when I see an F and end in an... Yeah. So anyways, she finally like breaks down in front of her friend. And I feel like you can tell that that's like a real friend of hers because of how emotional she got. And I feel like she's really ready to like, she's admitting I did something stupid, like from love. And I don't know, she seems so vulnerable and she's just normally not like that. So it made me feel for her even more. Yeah. We never see Sheree that vulnerable. And it was really heartbreaking. I mean, I think she was so humiliated by Tyrone not showing up to the cafe to meet her that that was the the straw that broke it. I mean, and, and anybody would be absolutely mortified by that. 
but Fatoum does seem like a genuine friend. And also I'm, I respect anybody who shows up at your house with two bottles of Vuv just in case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also I, respect anyone that runs a background check on somebody else because it makes for such good TV. There's been oh, so many good storylines and Married to Medicine about it. And I am here for this like alias storyline because it's confusing yes. and funny and weird. And I love it. <laughs> How many times did Drew say, you know, Danielle, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Danielle, Danielle works for me. And they show like one clip of Danielle. <laughs> and it's like, why does she work for you? Why do you have three assistants? Why does Ralph have so many assistants? Like, what are you doing that you can't do it, that you need more than one assistant? I do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So funny. So after her cry, Sheree decided she was ready to let everything go. And she held the best sleepover party I've seen in quite some time on this show. Yes. That's one that I would want to attend. It looked so fun. The decor was beautiful. The food looked amazing. I love how, was it Candy that said that you can always count on Sheree having good food? (laughs) Yeah, they, they had like... What was, I forgot what the main entree was, but then they also had lobster tail. Then they also had filet mignon. Like I was like, oh my God, lobster tail, filet, and something else. Like three proteins. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is like my type of person. (laughs) And appetizers. (laughs) Oh my God. Like she, it looked so good. I loved how Kenya was letting loose. That's the kind of drunk where I'm like, oh, that's fun. That's fun to see her like that. When Kyle talks about Erica Girardi getting like shit faced, it's not the same. It's like there's like a dark underbelly. When you see Kenya get drunk and fall over, it's funny. Well, and also I think Kenya was putting it on a little bit in a tongue in cheek way. Like she was, she was having fun and with the fall on the floor. And then for whatever reason, when she was running around and Drew was chasing her, I didn't really understand. I mean, but they were, they were having fun. It was, it was pure queen. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. It just made me laugh. Everything about her when she's in a good mood makes me smile. I'm with you. I'm I'm definitely team twirl. I love Kenya, um, especially this season. I've just really been rooting for her, and she's the only person that got me to watch Dancing with the Stars. So, oh my gosh, you did! That's amazing. I watched it for her. It was a really good season too. The guy who won, I think his name is, oh my god, it starts with an I. He's like a former basketball player. He's super tall. Um, he was on Watch What Happens Live with Kenya maybe two, three, four weeks ago. And he was so stoned and he had no idea what Watch What Happens Life was like as a show, like the games that they play. Like he clearly was not prepped and he couldn't stop giggling the entire time. I think it's his name is Iman. Oh my gosh. It She's was just so, so stunning. Funny. She is. She's so beautiful. And they all are. Sheree is so gorgeous. Like oh, yeah. all of them. And it definitely how do you feel about Marlo being a full-time housewife? I was excited when I heard the announcement because it's wild to think how long Marlo has been in the picture and never given a full peach and only been a friend of. 
I think it's interesting to learn more about her background. I didn't know that she was in foster care. I didn't know, you know, the struggles that she had growing up. I think being, as she calls a munty, is is a very complex situation. It's mm-hmm. it's truly difficult, and we're really seeing it all unfold. And I'm interested to see where it goes. I do not like that Marlo goes after Kenya and Kenya's relationship not working out. Same. I feel I the mean, same way about all of them. Whenever it's ever like, you can't keep a man. It's like, shut up. That's the stupidest argument. Yeah. And it's relationships are hard. Yeah. Like, it's also just like super misogynistic. Like that, yes. like if you don't like her for a certain behavior, she does call her out for what she does. I also don't like when Marla goes after candy when it doesn't seem real. Like, I think she's poking mm-hmm. because she thinks Candy hasn't really worked for her role on the show in quite some time. So I think she's trying to agitate her to get something out of her. But it has to also be authentic to who they are as friends, I think, to make it believable and like you're not just poking to poke. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I I enjoy Candy. I think she's she's really great. Many years ago, I had a friend who worked on a show with her and Todd that I don't think came to fruition. And my friend said that they were very amazing, lovely people. So I liked hearing that. Um, but I I like Candy. I think she's great. I do too. But I, I'm worried that we haven't really, we're not going to see anything new from her. And I'm worried, this is so bad, but I feel like if I had to choose between Candy and Phaedra in this moment, I'm more entertained by Phaedra. And I love Candy, but I feel like, and I haven't watched her show Candy and the Gang yet, um, but I feel like that's her future is to be like the lead and the central person on another spinoff show where she doesn't have to, you know, get in fights with everyone all the time. So I'm with you, but I don't know how much Phaedra will give us because on the most recent episode of Girls Trip, Tamara does try to talk to her to get more personal information out of her. And honestly, Phaedra's a vault. Like yeah, she, she, she won't, won't get into it. But, you know, you see... Sheree was a bit of a vault at one point Mm -hmm. and you see her now being really transparent. So I have faith that if Phaedra really wanted to come back, they would tell her, but you have to talk about these things. Yeah. They could definitely lay that out as a stipulation. And I think, I think she'd be great again. She's so funny and I forgot how funny she is. (laughs) And I would almost take a housewife that's funny, even without a personal story. Like Sonia Morgan has not given us anything new the entire time she's been on Roni. It's the same shtick about her divorce and we never know about her daughter and we never know about anyone that she's dating seriously. She only shows like the flings and I still enjoy her on my screen. I find her charming and funny and I find Phaedra really, really funny. She's so charismatic. It's it's amazing. And her fashions really deliver. Like her her looks at Bluestone Manor are incredible. She's beautiful. They're all amazing. But like her and Ava, I just want them back 
as much as I can get them on any show I can get them on. I love them. And so I'm liking Atlanta. I'm fine with adding more cast. Like we don't need so many friends of. How do you feel about Sonia? I like Sonia. I think her whole family dynamic, and I'm really excited for them to go to Jamaica. Uh, I think that'll be really fun to see her, you know, immersed in her culture. I am concerned for her just as a fellow woman about, you know, her husband pressuring her to have another baby. And if he doesn't listen to her, I don't really know, you know, that's kind of a rock and a hard place. Uh, but I, I like what she's bringing so far. I mean, I think she is playing both sides of the fence and, you know, listening to both sides of the argument with Kenya and Marlo, but that's kind of a, a first season housewife thing, you know? Yeah, I really like her. I just don't know why she's going so hard for Drew. It feels kind of like she's really annoyed with Drew. And I'm looking forward to finding out why on the reunion. I think it might just be that she's someone who's truly transparent. Mm -hmm. And Drew isn't you can't get a clear answer from her on anything. And so that might be exhausting and annoying to someone who's like, just say the truth. You know, I think that might be it. I think it's Sonya's, you see what you get. You know, obviously she's a phenomenally hard worker and maybe just doesn't understand the smoke and mirrors that Drew is creating. Right. They're, it's like they're not, it's like Drew's not a real person. It feels like. yeah. And Ralph, like, who are you? What are you? What do you do? What are your passions? Like, why all these little offshoot projects? Like, none of it makes sense. Where does all the money come from? You know, how do you pay all these assistants? Like, do they get sick time? <laughs> yeah. Or are they Sonia's interns? Like, what's yeah, going on it here? It feels sort of like that, you know? It's just, it feels, it feels weird. Um, I do feel really bad for Marlo and the boys, but I don't know. Kicking them out does not feel like a good idea. But yeah, especially when they already have some abandonment issues. Yeah. The circumstances. <laughs> I know. She also had this moment with them where like they were all sitting in a room and she's like, you guys don't need therapy, right? Or something like that. Do you think you need yeah. therapy? And it's like, yes, they need therapy regardless of what they say. And you should get them in with child therapists to talk about what's going on with their mom. And the reason that they're acting out is and that they got worse after that phone call with their mom is they're just acting out. You can't ask children if they want therapy. It is your job as their guardian to put exactly. them in therapy. It I, needs to be mandated. Yes, I think so. And if they don't like the one therapist, then you find another one. Like, you know, groups where they're able to meet other kids who have parents who are incarcerated, like, so they have support system, you know? Absolutely. I think it's it's vital for them to have a support system. And maybe... Maybe that's what they're lacking. Obviously, we don't know what their friend group looks like or, you know, how they do socially, but it's it's for sure a very tough, complicated situation. I mean, the last few years have been so hard on kids, Yeah, you know, with the pandemic and schools being closed and then being opened, but with all these rules about, you know, when you mask and when you quarantine, and it's just a lot to deal with and a lot of change. 
and a lot of sudden change. And then they're also dealing with the sudden change of their living environment has changed as well. And they can't rely on their mom for anything, you know, emotional support, talking to, it's like she's a different person. So uh, I don't know, I feel so bad for them. And I, I get that Marlo's having a tough time, but she needs to be able to be the adult, I feel like, and be like, okay, I need some help right now, rather than kicking them out and being like, I don't care where you go. <laughs> you know, figure yeah. be like, hey, I'm really mad right now. I need a moment. You know, I'm, I might need a little break. And there was a way to strategize without yeah. kicking them out. Like Marlo has resources. Again, these are all people that have, you know, a wide variety of resources that they can use. Like also the whole laundry situation, I didn't really understand. Like they're, they're young kids. Like, why are you having the little one do his laundry? Like, I mean, I was doing laundry in middle school, but I mean, not everybody it's at different speeds. Also, you need to supervise them. They're children. (laughs) Also, why was she saying like going to a laundromat or something? Yeah. But don't you have laundry in your house? You have a huge house. Like, was it not working? I don't understand. Like people go to the laundromat when they live in like cities or houses that don't have laundry, but yeah, I go to a laundromat. Like, well, yeah, I live in a New York apartment. Like, right. But in Atlanta and someone who lives in a house with like a three car garage, I usually have like in, in unit laundry. I don't know. It was so odd. And also sometimes kids and stuff when they're like really change how they keep their room and they get like really messy. It's a reflection of how they feel on the inside. Mm. You know, and if they're like, well, I don't care about yeah. my clothes and I don't care about my stuff because no one cares about me. I don't know. It's just seemed like such a cry for help. And I really hope she's able to get all the resources together, not just material resources, but like the people that can help these these boys and that can also help her be the best guardian to them. Of course, because I think she did say she spoiled them in the beginning, but at the end of the day, they need you to spoil them emotionally, like really be there and go deep with them versus, you know, new sneakers. I don't know. Yeah. Like they, yeah. I think she's just trying to learn a lot of things that, you know, about parenting that you normally learn as you go. And she just got it kind of, they kind of dropped in her lap and she wasn't prepared and she's kind of learning as she goes. And I think she's trying to, you know, I don't know, undo some of the things she had done. And I don't know. Those boys just need to know that they're loved and that's the most important thing. And even when they know that they're loved, there's going, they're going to act out because of what's happened. So, oh, so sad. Okay. I didn't get a chance to watch the latest episode of Dubai because I'm still in Minnesota and I have been falling asleep earlier than (laughs) normally (laughs) fall asleep. So I need to get your thoughts on just Dubai as a franchise in general. And then I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and I'll go ahead and watch it probably in the next few days. So Dubai is interesting. I wanted to like it a lot more than I currently do. But the thing that I find a little challenging with it is it's so performative. Like the women on these shows, on this show, 
have obviously seen every episode of Housewives. And I know that's not a revolutionary opinion, but I really liked Caroline Stanbury and Ladies of London. I loved Ladies of London. I thought it was a great show. I studied abroad in London and met my best friend there. So it holds a special place for me. But Caroline really is coming in icy. And I know that's her whole shtick. And in this most recent episode, we did learn why she was sent to boarding school from six to 17 and didn't and doesn't have a cuddly, as she says, relationship with her parents. So, OK, we we understand the background on that. Um, the other women, I, I think, you know, their stories are interesting. Uh, Sarah this week gave a speech at a conference that gave me heavy WeWork vibes. It was uh, yes, I I get that vibe from her in general. <laughs> she also, uh, um, who is it that pointed out to me? I someone was like, oh, she she's on her Instagram wearing a like believe Johnny Depp or like I support mm-hmm. Johnny Depp shirt, and I'm like, okay, of all the people that really could use your support, like, he's not one that needs it. <laughs> You this do not like need to advocate think, for this man. This is the cause that you're yeah, right. <laughs> like a, you know, multi-million dollar famous, you know, uh, yeah, actor. actor who can get away, who's gotten away with all kinds of things. Like, come on. Anyway, I just feel like her judgment's a little off. Yeah, it definitely. And also the whole I've been bankrupt twice. And she's mid, is she mid thirties? Yeah, like, she's young. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Are, are you bragging about that? Also, like, I have so many questions. <laughs> well, and then who got you out of the bankruptcy? Yeah. So you weren't doing this on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but someone also told me that she's related to royalty, potentially. Yes, at the conference she was introduced as as a form of royalty. Okay. So clearly she has well and also her family has multiple homes in Dubai. So that also That tells you something too. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, what do you make of Lisa and Ayan? Lisa, I think, is fun. I mean, her and her husband are a stunning couple and their kids are absolutely adorable. I think it's great that she has a business and is doing all of that. Ayan is just doing the most. And I love it, though. <laughs> I, I don't know what it. I've loved her the second I saw her. Or I liked her when I saw her. I fell in love with her when I heard her. Yes. Oh, her accent is is intoxicating. It's, it's great. so good. And it reminds me of so many people I know. That's like amazing. My friends in Kenya that and former coworkers and who also will go by their last name. And it's like confusing. Like that happened for years. I didn't know whether or not to call my my friend or my colleague Evelyn or her last name. And people would call her her last name in Kenya, but then other people would call her Evelyn, and I never knew. And it just reminds me so much of Chanel Ayan and how she's like Ayan, but like people get confused, you know? And I just think she's so funny. And I know she's doing a lot, but I feel like if she had the right people around her, it would be incredible. 
She does have very witty confessionals. I will give her that. And it is hilarious that she showed up with a goat like that. That was, (laughs) I know I, I understand the, you know, traditional symbolism of it, but I also love that the, uh, the son in the scene is like begging to keep it as a pet. Like that's amazing. Oh my God. So everything about her is so funny. And then she brought the lemons and then she brought onions and then she brought nothing to Stanbury. So you've gotten me intrigued. I definitely want to watch this next episode, but you're right. It's something about them. They don't seem like a cohesive unit. And what I feel like has made other franchises do well, particularly I'm thinking about some of the newer ones like Potomac, is it was clear that these women had a history. Yes. And it doesn't feel like these women in Dubai do. Yeah, I think that's a great point because even if the women in Potomac didn't have long-standing friendships, like I truly don't know how long Giselle and Robin have been friends, but I love them together and the connection is so amazing. It's yeah. hard for me to get on board with the Caroline Brooks and Ayan back and forth. Oh, we we love each other at breakfast, hate each other at lunch, and then our best friends at dessert. It's like, what? I mean, that's an exhausting friendship. Like, and I I don't know that I really want to watch that. Same. Same. So I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Brooks. She definitely doesn't I don't know. I oh, can't well, quite- this this week it's it's a lot at the end oh god okay i'm i'm definitely i'm gonna go run and watch it (laughs) (laughs) but thank you so much harmony for being you know on this week and for always sharing your your thoughts with me and dm and supporting this podcast for so long and you know tell everyone where they can find you anything you want to promote um if you want to meet up with people at BravoCon, you know, shout them out. <laughs> they may be listening. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. So on Instagram, I'm NY is my boyfriend. I uh, always love talking about housewives um, and anything of the like. Uh, if you're in New York City for BravoCon, yeah, definitely reach out. I, I love chatting with Bravo or about Bravo. Uh, can definitely recommend spots to maybe see the housewives uh, when they're when they're in the city. And, yeah, and what are the spots? Stuff. Share them right now. Uh, well, one time I saw Kelly Ben Simone at the Union Square Farmers Market. Okay. Uh, I saw this was a month before her arrest. I saw Luann at Rose Bar. Oh, I've been there looking for uh, who is it? I thought the Summer House kids went there one year and I was there. It was this like four years ago. And they were at Rose Bar like the weekend before. So I was like, let's go to Rose Bar. Maybe they'll be there. Yeah. It's it's super fun and, and fancy and a, and a really good time. So I definitely I definitely recommend it. Uh, and then I I still have yet to make my pilgrimage to the Regency to see if Tom's there. Uh, <laughs> but I kind of I don't know that I want to give him my energy or Harry Dubin or any of or those Harry guys. Dubin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I did see Barbara Kay out of nowhere. I was walking down Lexington Avenue on the Upper East Side and just out of she just came and I missed getting her spray tan on me by like a millimeter. Oh my God. She's funny. She's friends with um, B from Pet Shop Boy. So they they still hang out. So 
I feel like she must be a good time if she's friends with him. I think so. I mean, she looked like she was straight off of South Beach, like in the middle <laughs> of the Upper East Side, which was, you know, pretty great. It's it's a fun look. I know. Straight off her mayoral campaign, you know, like oh, I just thought it was so funny. She was running for office and had a website and was actually fundraising. And Margaret Josephs was like, I'd vote for you. I'm like, you're across the river, Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, so sorry, is, Margaret, your vote doesn't count. So is Eric Adams. Like, wasn't there a whole thing how he lived in Jersey? Oh, <laughs> okay. We don't know how to get into politics. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Well, thanks for always having good advice about New York. And I will let you know before I head to the Hamptons and get all of your recommendations. Yes, please, do. please do. Okay. We will talk soon, Harmony. All right, thanks.